Hello, and welcome to the TV Movie Rewind Podcast with Matt and Todd. Hello. Today we're doing the 1985 teen sci-fi comedy, My Science Project. My Science Project stars John Stockwell as a gearhead student who needs to turn into science projects in order to graduate. Dennis Hopper plays his teacher, his science teacher. Fisher Stephen plays his best friend from Brooklyn. And um, I'm not even going to... How do you suppose you pronounce that? Oh, boy. Uh, I was hoping you would have figured it out by now. Danielle, <laughs> Danielle von Zernick? Uh, maybe. maybe. We're going to say Danielle von Zernick. Yeah. And Raphael Sparge. Yeah. As Sherman, you know, the typical nerd. Correct. I guess you would call him. So, the movie starts out with... John, well, actually, that starts out with a flashback to 1957, where a UFO was crashed in the New Mexico desert. Right. Um, I believe the movie—it's what Carson, New Mexico. The movie's taking place in. Right. Yep. And that's true. Okay. Yeah. I think so, so yeah. it's 1957. UFO crashes, and we get a really good Eisenhower impersonator playing President Eisenhower who visits the airbase and is shown the UFO. Mm -hmm. Responding, wow, this is probably the most important discovery of mankind ever. He says... Right. Put it it next to the Ark of the Covenant, I guess. It it being 1957, the president chop it up and get rid of it. And I'm sure all the scientists, uh, but what about the potentials for technology and the advancement of mankind? Shop it up, get rid of it. Right, and, it's, and not it's, very yeah. far. Don't do a good job of hiding it. Just throw it in the basement. No, I mean at least the Ark of the Covenant goes in some like nameless box in the middle of like a billion nameless boxes, theoretically somewhere deep in the desert. Um, and that's where I like to think that they were planning on putting this thing, but like, for whatever reason, it doesn't get there. Yeah, it just ends up like they just kind of forget about it. So we cut to 1985, which was in the height of the bizarre right. show of teen comedy sci-fi ridiculousness i mean this i think part of the movie because this movie did not do well i think no it's time, this movie's first problem yeah i i think it's the it, it was yeah there was just what seven or eight other movies that hit before this i mean just the the big ones were you know back to the future um weird science and um Oh, how did I already forget the third one? Back to the real future. Genius That's a real genius. Real genius. And all and all three of those movies. And there, yeah, you're probably right. There were more. Like I wasn't zapped around the same time with Scott Pan. Well, <laughs> um, but, um, but but all three of those movies I just mentioned, like they are better than this movie objectively. Like I, at least I think so. I, I liked all three better than this movie objectively. Again, by the time you get to this movie, you're you're kind of like what, another one. It, even if this was the best of them, it probably wouldn't have done too well. Right. So we get right. John John Stockwell. He's uh, Mike Harlan, mm-hmm. and he loves cars. But he, he shows up pretty much all he thinks class, about. And and we'll we'll get to that. And and yeah. Dennis Hopper is the teacher. He dismisses the class and says, "Hey Harlan, I have a good science project and the rules." And that's what's great. Dennis Hopper plays the rare understanding teacher. Right. In in an eighties team, he, he he gets along with the students, but he needs the science project turned in. Right. And he even says, you know, a guy like you, you're mechanically inclined. You shouldn't have trouble getting a science project put today together. Right. So uh, Mike leaves and he's gets broken up with by his his girl is a 100% 80s girl. The mm-hmm. hair, the outfit, mm-hmm. every mm-hmm. word that comes is like pure 80s. Yep. That's all going to lead to something because it's it's a innocuous scene that's like, all right, he's his girlfriend, but it's because he's so obsessed with cars. Exactly, yeah. The very next conversation he has is with Sherman and I, I, Ellie. Ellie. Sawyer. Yeah, Sawyer. 
Ellie Sawyer, who's you know she's the the yearbook head of the yearbook, and you know she, she to be the nerdy people, and Ellie's the standard eighties pretty nerdy girl who's you know right. oh she wears her hair a certain way and has glasses, yeah. one pair of glasses the size of dinner plates away from yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean those eighties glasses, man. I mean we know the struggle, we do, and those are some fantastically eighties glasses. <laughs> I mean, they're just ginormous. <laughs> I couldn't get over. Every time I'm watching, I'm like, yep, I, re I remember those. <laughs> those humongous glasses that we had to wear. They were basically about the size of what they put in the lens in the Hubble telescope. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're, they're a face shield. Like, they're the size of your face. Um, you know, Elton John, I, I have a feeling Elton John was a big fan of those glasses, they, but they're huge. Yeah, they, um, but I, and I remember I, would wear, I remember wearing glasses not that unlike them. I mean, that's just what they were back then, just giant for whatever reason, covering down to like your mid lip for no, in case your upper lip needed to see better glasses. So one of the questions she asks him for the yearbook is how many times has he seen Jedi? And his answer is he hasn't seen Jedi. Which now, is immediate, yeah. This is 1985. Right. Probably filmed in 84. So Jedi is like the, still the huge thing on everybody's mind. Sure. And it's what's great because it singles out Mike as not only is he, he, if it's not about cars, he doesn't care. Right. You know, right. whenever you... He would have been probably, I mean, if he's graduating high school in 85, he probably would have been about 10 years old when Star Wars came out. So you get the idea, instead of seeing Star Wars like in 1978, he was going to see Smokey and the Bandit over and over again. Right. Well, I mean, in, in a way you have, um, you know, the three, uh, the, the well, yeah. Well, I mean, in, in Mike's way, like he's a nerd in his own right. Right. Um, yes. Because again, he's 100% about like singularly about cars, like a 1980s nerd might be around computers or, or science. Right. Um, and then you have even Vinny to an extent because he's constantly dropping movie and film references, which I honestly thought I would get tired of each time he made one, but I still kind of liked him because they weren't as relentless as they seem. I actually thought they were pretty good. I, I actually thought they mostly worked. You know? you know, I was just thinking, you know, Going through your life yammering about movies, that's no way to live your life. <laughs> right. That's exactly. no way to live your life. What next thing you're gonna do go, you're gonna get your brother and start a podcast about movies. Exactly. <sighs> Pathetic. So like the only thing when she asks him what's what of his likes, the only thing besides cars he comes up with is Bruce Springsteen. Again, it's nineteen eighty five. Right. So born in the USA. Born in the USA, but he's what? probably like thinking, you know pink cadillac and you know well plus he's dressed like he's in a bruce springsteen song yes um yes like he's just one bandana in his back pants away from pretty much being a bruce springsteen song he's a ball cap t-shirt jeans right. guy right trucker so, cap especially yeah um or mechanics he, i guess he goes back and he's talking with uh fisher stevens as Vinny, who is all in as his character of Vinny, a guy from kid who grew up in Brooklyn, who's now yeah. transported to, you know, Carson, New Mexico. You almost don't realize he's from New York, though. <laughs> you know, I, I guarantee you when I was watching this as a kid, I didn't get it because this right. is just another movie. Yeah, we were like nine. Yeah, ten. Yeah. This movie, oh, we would have had to have been older than that. I guess a little bit, right? Eighty six or so, right? Eighty six, because yeah, it's just it played on HBO constantly. So this was an HBO. This wasn't a rental for us. We may have rented it, but this was de movies that did not do well box in the box office. Usually got sold to cable really cheap, so they played sure. the heck out of them. I said, I, for some reason, I feel like we rented this along with Weird Science, but it's just as likely we saw them both on HBO. Science was definitely one we rented a lot, but this one was an HBO staple. Okay. And it, since it was rated PG, it was on during the day all the time, too. Sure. Yeah. So we get a little setup of him and Vinny and, you know, their friendship. And as he's pulling out of the high school, Ellie's broken down. And I'm doing air quotes with my fingers, but people listening to the podcast can't see me doing the broken down air quotes. Mm hmm She's basically sabotaged her own car so that Harlan will have to come over and help her out because she's got a little crush on him. Right. 
she mentions how, you know, he's been broken up with her girlfriend. So she says, you know, how about, you know, you know, he's at first he's like not interested, but then he thinks about it and I was like, All right, you know what? I'll I'll pick you up tonight at eight. Well, plus, and this is like, you know, 1980s high school-itis, um, she literally just says, and I have a feeling this is legit, like probably in the yearbook, uh, she doesn't want to be class spinster. Yes. Although, at, at earlier, um, Vinny had mentioned he asked her out and she turned him down. I mean, I believe it. <laughs> I mean, Vinny actually doesn't seem like a bad guy and is actually a loyal one. Uh, he's got a, a few pieces of like, you know, trigger warning ish, you know, requisite and, 1980, mid 1980s, like homophobic language. But, um, you know, it's not that bad, uh, you know, all throughout or anything like that. But like he's loyal and, um, you know, he's a nice enough guy for sure. Sherman was obviously interested in her and about to ask her out too. So, yeah, that's, you know, it's. And he starts off as a foil in that respect. A spoiler, I guess. But he's like, you know, he's yes. a villain, you know, a Sherman Sherman sees the, the exchange and he gets jealous, understandably so. Mm-hmm. So he picks up Ellie and of course he takes her to the junkyard. Or the, the, <laughs> as, you, the as you do. <laughs> the evil base and she's even like, What, doesn't anybody whine and dine a girl anymore? Would you bring me here? And two he has Aren't you studying journalism? And she's like, yeah. So he goes, well, look around you. Everything here has a story. And they are surrounded by the husks of old aircraft and all this other thing. And she does pause and think, you know what? You're right. I never thought about that before. So as they're walking around, he falls through a a bunko bunker door and he discovers the... I don't know if it's so much the engine of the broken down, but the warp drive or whatever that right. enables the spaceship to catapult itself through time and space. Right. He looks at it and he says, hey, you know what? I can clean this up. This will be my science project. And the two of them leave. Right. You, you could think of this engine like such as it were as if it powered like the TARDIS because that's seemingly this, the same effect it's supposed to have. And it's essentially the TARDIS from Doctor Who, you know. It's an old Spencer Gifts plasma ball. <laughs> but they were in new between. in like 1985. Like it, it, I, I remember those being a thing in like 85, along with like the you know early days of the Rubik's Cube and stuff, because it was a novelty then um, to see plasma balls on stuff. Yeah. So it's they 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 check and you know really essentially so it's now, I guess, like, but... this is one movie, but it's basically a Saturday morning cartoon. Totally. Yeah, I saw because... it at the right time today. Yeah. It's very, like, I mean, yep. this this old alien technology is just, you know, abandoned down there. They wander into it. They stumble into it. This movie is serious. It, it is meant to be just pure fun mm-hmm. and, and entertainment. I think it's actually, you know, it's one of those high school movies that is aimed to an audience that is high school. Right. Like, I think we saw it at the right time, at like, the right age, I guess, I mean. Weird Science was aimed at high school teenagers. My Science Project is aimed at the junior high, younger teens. Yep, that's fair. So he's, you know, he takes it back and... Because it is PG, and uh, yeah, PG-13 would have been a thing at the time, so sure, yeah. uh, Despite themselves, Mike and Ellie seem to have enjoyed each other's company. And... As they're driving back, the device sucks the energy out of Mike's car. He doesn't; they don't realize it, but the car right. breaks down because the device absorbs the car's electrical energy. And she's like, "Well, we can walk home from here. It's not far." But Mike, being the gearhead that he is, is like, "I can't! I can't! I can't show my face!" And then, like, my car is broke. No, I can't do it. Fortunately, a trucker happens along, and he lets she lets him, so he can contact Vinny, who shows that he is the most loyal friend to me, to come immediately to Mike's rescue. Because when Mike calls him, right. Vinny is his date. We want to keep this podcast. But he's in the back of the car with his date, 
It's a PG movie, but the date is definitely going PG-13 heading into R-rated territory. Right. The girl is all it's very mutual and Vinny says, nope, my friend needs me. <laughs> We're gonna go pick him up. Yep, that's it. We're doing this now. <laughs> yep. It was like, it was like really? Wait, you're gonna achieve it? says... You'll be begging me later. And he's like, if you're lucky. I'm like, but that is the guilty <laughs> Vinny has. Yeah, Vinny is a life. character. Yeah. So they go and, you know, they, they help Mike Ellie and then they take the garage and they're repairing it. At which point Vinny's girlfriend's like, yeah, okay, I've had enough of you. have not been the perfect date. And Vinny acting like she's the one wrong here. <laughs> it's like you ain't you ain't the perfect date either. <laughs> so she storms off, and you know we get a little, uh, you know. So Vinny makes a reference, uh, one of his many movie references about how he'd seen a, this movie about a haunted car where this haunted car goes around flaming dudes. Yeah. Plus a reference to. Christine John Carpenter's movie based on the Stephen King novel that John Stockwell starred in as well. Mm-hmm. So a little little wink and a smile to the audience there. And There's flaming also, out is like the phrase of the movie to essentially kill someone or take them out. Vinny, anytime somebody gets killed, yeah. they we almost get yep. this guy flame this guy. There's there's a subplot with Sherman who's jealous about Mike and Ellie dating, hooking up, um, making a pact with these three goons to make Mike's miserable, Mike's life miserable. Like you know, they silly string his car, mm-hmm. ridiculous things. But that's not so much as important as as knowing that Sherman's a little jealous of right. Because those guys are like inconsequentially enti- inconsequential entirely, really. <laughs> yes. So the next day at school, you know, it shows Vinny and, and Mike and, you know, they're talking and they're in typing class. And <laughs> Vinny's just punching the thing and, yeah. and, and Mike hands Vinny a, a notebook which opens up and it's an X-Men comic. And, right. Um, so they're hiding, they're sneaking the X-Men comic around well, Vinny's got this big cigar he's chomping in his Yeah. Mouth. Like, that's, <laughs> like he's writing a detective novel. Like <laughs> That's that's like the teacher's walking by and he doesn't care. Is that a comic book you got there? <laughs> uh, no, I'm just smoking my cigar here, sir. Oh, well, then that's everything's fine here. It's all fine. <laughs> it's a strange scene, even for 1985. And I almost wonder, because the way Vinny looks you almost was it supposed to be like a Playboy or a, you know maybe yeah. But then they decided no, this is a PG movie. They're going to be sneaking you know a comic book in, into the thing, which not that it's going to interest anybody but me. But the comic book was X Men Classics number three, okay. covered uh, by Mike Zek. Particularly good one or famous one or a notable one? No, it was probably just the comic that they picked up off of the rack at the time. Okay. It of um of the well basically just before we got the all new all different X Men which featured the team everybody knows of Wolverine Colossus and sure Storm and Nightcrawler mm-hmm. the book was in reprints because it was not a t- popular title the book ended up stopped telling new stories around issue 50 or so okay and then it just went into reprint and that's one of them so those well no basically what ended up happening is the end of the original stories being told was so low print run that you know they were hard to find and then the x-men became hugely popular one of marvel's way of capitalizing it especially back then before trade paperbacks and archive volumes was a thing was you know we're they did these, you know, reprints where they'd reprint two or three issues in in another format with new coloring and better paper and sell it as either a special edition or a classic. Oh, okay. So that's all, all. Okay. 
So they get to the auto shop and they're playing around with the gizmo. They hook it up to a car battery and um, the wrench Mike is using vanishes from his hand and a vase, like a vase appears out of nowhere. And then there's Mm -hmm. like a flash and they're like, okay, this is all weird. And the bell rings. And as they're, they hide the project and leave, they realize two hours have passed. Right. They've missed their science final. Um, Dennis Hopper as Bob comes out and says, look, if you guys don't do great on your science project, you missed the final, you're both going to end up with D's. And Vinny's like, hey, I'll take it. <laughs> right. Right. And, 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 and he's like, no, no, look, I was working on my science project. That's how I lost track of time. Can, can, can we meet up later and, and I can show it to you? Tell me what you think. And teacher's like, all right, I'll be back here tonight grading papers. You know, I'll, I'll take a look at it then. And then they go see Sherman in the library to figure out, you know, what's going on because they're like, can, can we get a book? And Sherman's like, you looking for a book on cars? They're over there. He's like, no, 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 I want. And meanwhile, the lights are fluttering right. and, uh, and, and they're trying to say, no, it's like a strange phenomenon. Like, you know, two guys were in a room and you know they, they come out of the room and two hours have passed but it only seems like two minutes for the guys and all weird things are happening like stuff disappearing and stuff are and chairman's like well it sounds like a space time warp and this being a library and in the 80s and Sherman being a nerd, of course, he knows everything about quantum physics and can find immediately find the book and open it to the exact right page that shows, <laughs> yep. you know, here's Einstein theorized and here's an Einstein Rosen bridge and how things were. And they're like, all right, yeah, that, that about sums it up. And, you know, they, they you know, they head back home to go get, you know, ready for that, you know, Vinny and Ellie and Mike are going to go see the teacher. Mm-hmm. Now we get two, a couple of scenes of, of, of Mike's home life and his father is played by the great Barry Corbin. Yep. Barry Corbin, a for real deal, Texas cowboy character actor in war games. He's the general in, in charge of, um, NORAD and and he's was in the right stuff and um oh wow northern exposure and he he's you've seen him okay, in yeah. more about the, he is better than the material he's ever been given most recently i think people probably saw him in modern family where he played the father of um Cameron um Cameron Tucker in, right. in the Modern Family TV series, it, it he took plays me into Mike. War Games until you mentioned War Games, and I, where I finally remembered uh, who you were talking about. <clears throat> he plays Mike's dad, his single dad, and he's making out with this Mary Kager cosmetics girl as Mike mm-hmm. comes in, and you know, you, you know, they obviously kind of have a, a, an awkward relationship, but not a lot of time is spent on it. It's almost like these scenes were wedged in. Just to show that Mike doesn't live by himself and yeah you know, has because there's a lot really of wedged in stuff in this movie. Yeah, it doesn't really amount to anything. But I had to mention Barry Corbin because he's one of the 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 best out there. Oh sure. So they head to the you know lab at the school and they're showing it to Dennis Hopper. And Dennis Hopper's like, oh, like wow, what, what is this? He he gets a metal spectrometer. Like, you know, that thing shorts out because it's no known metal detected. And right. But when we took it, he's like, we need to hook it up and give it more power. And both Vinny and Mike are like, no, 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 no way in hell. Yeah. We don't want to do that. And Dennis Hopper plugs it right into first, he hooks it up to an even bigger car battery and it melts down the battery and all this. It's this great visual of all this energy spiking yeah. out of the machine. And, he, he hooks it up right into a, a power outlet and it gets even more power. And he's like, he goes pure mad scientist, Dennis Hopper. Oh, yeah. He turns like, into Lex Luthor out of nowhere. He's, he's like, he's like, you guys don't understand. This is like pure time and pure space. And we've already know that that, that the, the character Dennis Hopper plays has a lot 
in common with Dennis Hopper, where they both <laughs> experimented with mind-altering drugs. Right. So that's why he's more open to what this is. And while Mike, Ellie, and Vinny are all freaking out, he's having the time of his life. While oh, heck yeah. Mike, I mean, his skull is illuminating <laughs> underneath his skin at certain points. Yep. Finally, the energy envelops him and sucks them in, and they're all like, and they call they call him Bob. You know? Yeah, Bob they're, Robert. They're very, they're like yelling, Bobby, Bobby. The machine overloads and starts out these energy waves. And now, instead of just thinking, let's unplug this machine, right? Mike just kick the just kick the wires out. I mean, just plugged in. They run on the disc. <laughs> you could just Mike poke it away with, with the ruler with the idea we'll go to my dad's hardware store <laughs> we'll get some dynamite sure we'll we'll race the electrical pulse to the ends of town why and not blow up blow up one of the towers before it can reach the power plant solid plan mike obviously because neither ellie or Vinny questioned this plan they're right there with them they jump in his car a beautiful <sighs> Beautiful 1968 Pontiac GTO. Yeah, yes, the goat. Beautiful car. So the, the one of the things only after after Dennis Hopper's been sucked into the machine, his peace medallion is left behind, and then mm-hmm. he picks that up. And for years, I never really understood the plot point. But while they're getting the stats hardware store, Vinny drops the medallion. Right, he drops it by accident. And for years, I never really understood why. And then, like, oh, that's why at the end they arrest Dennis. I think he blew up the. Right, because he's a hippie or whatever. Yeah. Yes. Well, and then his his medallions where the dynamite was stolen from. Exactly. Right, because that's what I'm saying. Right, he basically he seems like the logical like oh he's a hippie you know bomber from the '60s or whatever. So, um, like I said, they race into the ancient town and the the GTO and you know. They get there, they hook up the... At one point, as they get out of the car, Vinny's got himself all done up with the dynamite, you know, like a dynamite vest, and he's... I kind of feel like Gregory Peck in The Guns of Navarro. And I gotta... Calm down. I, Calm I, down. I, no, no, Calm no, down. Sh- Calm. Now go ahead. He should have said he should have felt like David Niven. Because David Niven was the explosive guy in the guns of Navarone. You are correct. Gregory Peck. You are correct. You are and correct. if anything, Vinny had think more. About your health. Vinny had more in common with Anthony Quinn in that movie anyway. We're not Fair talking enough. about Guns of Navarone. No, talk but it's about good my movie. science project. We should talk about Guns of Navarone. That's a really good movie. Oh, we'll definitely do Guns of Navarone. Do you want to just talk about it now? No. All right. Well, we'll finish this first. Good. So they run off and, you know, the power tower and it cuts off the thing from getting to the electricity and It'll do they, that. Black out, they <laughs> black out the town and drive on back. And when they get to the school and see like the police are there and there's all this sort of chaos, they're kind of like, huh, well, gee, this is a pain in the butt. We can't get up to get our, our gizmo out of the school now. Oh, well, let's go home. Right. Right. So, we'll figure it out tomorrow. <laughs> He drops off Ellie yet again, and again, you get this little, like, you know, and, and here's another thing that I like about this movie. Too often in these movies, the guy and girl are thrown together. All of a sudden, bam, they're in love. Right. This movie actually shows the growing admiration and the feelings between Mike and Ellie. Each time they meet, they like each other a little more. Right. And they, and, and awkward around each other like two people like two teenage kids that like each other exactly this is actually one of the better done despite the fact that ellie's character is way underutilized she's almost wedged in there too sure she almost and and it gets to the point where it's almost she just her whole purpose is to be there is to be the girl they need to rescue at the end of the movie and you could say this movie um, of the four movies that I mentioned, you could say this movie treats romance the best out of the four. It, it really kind of does. You know, the, the other three, not so great on that front for different reasons, for varying reasons. 
<laughs> Real genius nut may be as bad as the other two, but yeah. But I'm sorry, go so, ahead. It just occurred to me. Go ahead. Uh, Mike break goes back into his bedroom window because he had snuck out earlier. And when he gets in there, we meet the wonderful Richard Mauser as the city detective who's like, Well now, son, I've been waiting for you to come home. And in pops dad who with the other cops was like son they came and they said they wanted to talk to you i told them everything i knew about the dynamite being stolen and you had nothing to do barry corbin is not wearing a shirt Mm -hmm. now it's not like they've just been caught like maybe when the police arrived he wasn't wearing a shirt but it's clear they've been there a while right because he's posted up right the guy you know the cop posted uh, richard mazer he's posted up in the in the kid's room for a while you know why don't you have a shirt on now barry (laughs) right I mean, so, and they would and, have let him because he, they let Harlan get his jacket. Yeah. Again, is another one of those greats. You know him from uh, The Thing. He was the dog handler in The Thing. Mm-hmm. He was a recurring character in Picket Fences. He's been in everything. He is just another one of those great actors who makes everything he's in better. Sure. Yeah. Uh, he was also a uh, two-time uh, president of the SAG. No kidding. Screen Actors Guild, yeah. No kidding. Yeah. So, and he's actually he's even playing more Texas or or than Barry Corbin is in this. He's right. playing. He's playing full on hard ass cop. Oh yeah, yeah. And despite have anything on the boys, he's bringing them both downtown with extreme prejudice, having them fingerprinted and what have you. So you know they are just as police station before they go Mike makes a call to Ellie and says you got to get to the school and bring the gizmo to the police station so we can explain everything and she's like all right and she goes off to do that while the cops bring Mike and Vinny in to the to the station Mm -hmm. when Ellie gets to the school Sherman's been there waiting for her and he's like what is this thing what's going on are you you know what's happening and she's like no you don't understand and he doesn't and he plugs the thing back in because the power has been restored rather quickly to the town yeah yeah um i mean presumably uh uh, the teacher does mention something about nuclear power so you know I, i guess maybe they have lots of redundancy and contingency but um right like at this scene you would think where is he getting the power from and you'd yeah whatever but uh when as they show outside the street lights are back on so somehow are restored not to mention if you look around them there's still little things on the early <laughs> explosion so the fire department did not do a fantastic job of not only keeping sherman out of the building but putting out the fire no no not quite so he reactivates the machine which causes chaos throughout the town Vinny and Mike use this as their chance to escape the police station and run back to the school, causing more problems for themselves because Vinny decides he's going to steal a police car yeah. as well as <laughs> escape. And they get back to the school, and again, you get this visual of this. It's almost out of clusters and poltergeist, this big swirling cosmic yeah. thing over the school, and yeah, like think just, the tower at the end of um, Ghostbusters, exactly. Just as Mike and, and Vinny are about to go into school, Sherman comes out cackling and, and you know, basically shell-shocked. Like, it's the end yeah. of the world! Yeah, Fire he's... Um, it's, it's all falling apart! He's what's-his-face from uh, Ghostbusters 2. <laughs> you know, he's, he suddenly turns into the guy from Ghostbusters 2 there, the one like Vigo's... Uh, you know, he goes, yes. I got the painter. Yeah, that guy. He suddenly turns into that guy. I can't remember standing now. But... He stared into the abyss and the. Right. And now he's insane. Right. He turns into an H.P. Lovecraft character. And they're like, Where's, where's Ellie? She, she's up in the tower. She's up in the tower, but we can't go back in there. And they basically slap it up, like, Come on, calm down. And it's like, Come on, Vinny. We got to go into there together. And Vinny's like, All right. But if I'm going to go back into another dimension like Barbarino, I'm going in there packing. And he grabs a shotgun and they head in. And this is the part, more than any other part of this movie when I was a kid, 
if I saw that this part was starting, I sat down to watch because yep. this final act of the movie is adolescent it's... boy fantasy not involving women. Right. It's, it's, a, it's a hell of a payoff. It's, you know, they all sorts of times are merging inside the school and it's like a video game. You know, first they go in and they're seeing all these ghosts of like things of different time moving through, and then they see, you know, Cleopatra's being brought through, and they're attacked by a caveman, and then they're attacked by a gladiator, and then they get involved in helping a down pilot escape from Vietnamese, and it's just it's one thing after another, and it's just like, you know, when you're a kid watching this and you're hooked on action and sci-fi movies, this is everything. Right. All right there, right in front of you. One of the like they're advanced, it's the reason it's on this podcast, you know. Uh, and w- just when they they tackle the Vietnamese guys and then they arm themselves up with machine guns, mm-hmm. they head into another. I'm moving too fast, mm-hmm. too excited, too excited. <laughs> it is a fun like, part. Like, it's a good payoff. Like say what you will about the movie up until this point, it's a really fun payoff. You first get a nifty little jump scare, like I said, when the, the Neanderthal comes out and attacks yeah. them. And and Vinny's like, we were almost flamed by freaking Barney Rubble. <laughs> I, I then still they, they move a little further and they see the gladiatorial combat. Yes. And the gladiator gives the classic, um, you know, in, I don't really know if it was Latin, Greek, I assume. Greek or Latin. Yeah. Latin makes more sense. You know, the we who are about to die salute you. Right. Sherman, obviously, understanding Latin, summarizes. (laughs) What's he saying? He summarizes. He says he's going to kick our ass. (laughs) Right. Which is a kind way of putting it. So, you know, then they get this fight with the gladiator where they go all tossed around. And, you know, Mike's basically forced to stab the gladiator to death, which, you know, and again, he even, you know. He doesn't instantly recover, but he he's like, geez, I just had to kill a guy. I just had to fight a Roman gladiator right. on my way to rescue my girlfriend from a time vortex. Next, they, they come up, there's like a downed United States fighter plane. P- pilot has survived, and the Vietnamese are taking him captive, and they ambush the yeah, Vietnamese. Yeah, Viet Cong, I guess, or something. Yeah. yeah, the Viet Cong, and, you know, the the pilot's like, hey, thanks, guys. I owe you one. He goes off his way. They gather up machine guns, go off their way. And again, Sherman goes. As you. Sherman starts coming around. Right. Sherman's like he's he's getting to, he's getting himself together, and you know he's 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 helping. Right. He's sane now. He's better now. <laughs> he's all and right now. He's all right. He's even like, well, according to I, I, Stoddard's Guide quote, of Modern Weaponry, which doesn't yes. exist. It doesn't exist. I looked and looked. But and looked. he he basically shows like you know like, you, you pop out the old click and you put it in there and show and then Vinny realizes the, the muzzle of his gun is right in his face and it's kind of pushes it away. Point that away and now they end up in a mutants post apocalyptic mutants. Right now that this the good... movie is freaking awesome. It really Post-apocalyptic... is. At... At this point, it totally is, and and um, you know he's also like the 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 whatever whatever sanity he 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 lost or or whatever part of him that he lost, like again looking into the abyss like the teacher did, but ultimately surviving has now manifested itself in some like crazed bravado. Um, <laughs> well, it's like, <laughs> like he's a completely different character now. That adrenaline hits and it's fight or flight, and now he's like, you know, what? I'm packing a machine gun. These these mutants are shooting at me with laser guns. I'm shooting back. Right, but he's having a good time. <laughs> he is having a good. I'm having. I was having a great time watching it. Right, but a you were sh- watching it. You weren't actually there and terrified a like sh- the other two. A, a shootout with post apocalyptic mutants. One of them played by the great Michael Berryman. No kidding. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, yes. yeah. Of course. Yeah, I saw that. Who? Who was playing a mutant? Over in Weird Science at the same time. Yes. That's right. He was playing the biker, yeah. So they escape from that into the gym to the highlight scene of this movie where the back wall of the gymnasium just kind of fades away into this beautiful prehistoric landscape. This this red sky and a volcano and mm-hmm. in comes the T-Rex. 
and it is a really nice T-Rex model. Now, again, the T-Rex looks like it looks like what we thought T-Rex looked like back then. Right. Um, now they're shooting machine guns at a T-Rex. Right. And again, over the top because he's sick of this. I had enough of this. And he charges the T-Rex shooting his machine gun. And once again, Sherman comes out of it and he goes, hold on, Vinny, I'm coming to save you. And he's shooting at the T-Rex. His gun jams. And that's when it actually gets to be a bit too much for Sherman and he passes out, which right. I think is just a way to get his character his character and Vinny's character down so Mike can save the day by launching a grenade into the T-Rex and blowing away the T-Rex. Yep. And I could watch that scene over and over and over and over and over again and love it each and every damn time. Oh, no, like the final, like when they finally get to it, right, It's it's really fun. Uh, it's it's really really fun. Well, and I, that's. I don't want to say it wasn't enjoyable leading up to this. No, I thought I liked it. Like I said, I kind of like this movie. I uh, I'm you know I'm uh, I saw the reviews and stuff on it, and I'm just like I'm not sure I saw quite the same movie. Like it's it's definitely again. I, I think it's big to me. I think it, it's its biggest issue was coming out when it did against the movies that it did. Um, well. It- and and let's be fair, the, the plot is paper thin. Oh yeah, that's it, what I'm saying. It, it's not as good. <laughs> this movie really is the. If it came out like a year earlier, we you know it might maybe differently, but maybe. But again, it, it, the movie is a funhouse ride. Mm-hmm. It's like like when you it's go fun. through one of those funhouses, you know things are happening, but there's no real. The story has very loose connectivity, but you're enjoying everything that's happening. Yeah, it's an experience. You're right. Like this is a, this this movie is almost like a ride, exactly at like Universal or something. So now they're chased again. The the mutants because the mutants basically chase them through the end of the movie. Right. Um. They get up and they find it unconscious, and Mike's carrying her back out, and they're just about to leave when the mutants are now outside the door, and they're basically now trapped. And Mike figures, well, the only way we're going to stop this is if I go and unplug the machine. Which he does, and we get another big, spectacular visual effects extravaganza. Everything happened. At first, Mike disappears into it, but then he comes back instantly. And that's where you're like, okay, this movie is now showing you that everything's safe. Everything is going to go back. I mean, there's been still the destruction, but Mike's returned. Everything's gone. Vinny and, and Sherman are now best friends. Yeah. As they, you know, help each other out through the thing, joking. And from uh, the, there was an interview on the DVD with with uh, Fisher Stevens. Apparently, him and Raphael Spage were had been friends for several years, and that Fisher Stevens was even living in with Raphael Spage and his family at okay. the time. Uh, now, is this like they were friends before the movie? Yes, they, they were already he, friends. Okay. He said he, him and Raphael had known each other since they were about 14 or 15. Oh, neat. So we get our, you know, they all come out of the school and, you know, there's all those search and rescue there helping them out. And they're like, okay, guys, we're not going to say anything about this. <laughs> they all agree. And then the teenage answer to everything. The Dennis Hopper comes out shouting like, because he's been on a tour through time and he loved every minute of it. Oh, yeah, yeah. And like, that was a big what? trip to him. You know what we're not going to do? We're going to be the only people to talk about this movie and what he's wearing. Okay. So he comes out and he's like, you know, he, he, he went to revisit Woodstock. He's seen the future. He's seen all of it. He yells to, to Mike and Vinny, you guys, you both get A's on one condition. You get rid of the gizmo. It's the world ain't ready for it, man. And he's all hyped up, and he's he's calling the cops pigs as they're arresting him. Arresting him, and it's like it's all right, man. It's all good. And they drive off. And one of the one of the things again, it shows Mike really doesn't know anything about cars because he's like Woodstock. What's Woodstock? Yeah. And I'm like, come on, Mike. In 1985, I knew what Woodstock was, and right. I was only 13. Right. Right, no, he's like, yeah, he's entirely a one-track mind from the beginning were, to the end, these cars. Were there cars at Woodstock? <laughs> right, cars and cars-related things. Is he talking about Snoopy's little friend? What's going <laughs> on? 
So, anyways, you know, the, the final scene of the movie is is Mike and, and Ellie, boyfriend and girlfriend, going back to the base and tossing the 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 gizmo back into the bunker and leaving. And <laughs> that's one way to do it. <laughs> well, and again, and, no one and, else will find it. Well, that's yeah, exactly. But that, again, this is like I said, this is like a Saturday morning cartoon. Totally, yeah. It's all just there to tell a crazy story. Like, sure. Know, if you ever watch those old Super Friends episodes, the wackiest, most nonsensical things would happen. And then by the end of it, everybody would forget. Like, okay, we'll never even see that device that the Lex Luthor used to take over the world. No, this is definitely not a deep movie. This is this could have no. well could have just as well been a cartoon. And if it was, it probably would have been a bit more highly regarded. I, I don't know. Um, I, I think, like, ultimately, yeah, even before... Even before the climax, you know, when they're when they're getting finally getting to, you know, through all the time, like through the science project itself, it's yeah, it's even an enjoyable movie up until that point and a, and a well acted one. Um, I just think, uh, you know, I just of course, I just wish they had gotten to that latter part more, you know, obviously. Um, <laughs> but that might have killed, you know, that probably kills the budget and all that. But I just yeah, no, I, I think that was really cool. Um, so the movie ends with uh, Ellie and, you know, they're driving back, but this time they legitimately run out of gas. Mm-hmm. And says, you know, it's just let's walk back to town, and they walk back to town, and the credits roll, and we get a few deleted scenes featuring Vinny yep. and his antics, and the song that has been stuck in my head for over thirty years, which is the title track, Still? "My Science Project." It is just wow, it's an earworm, but it's it's a cool, it's a fun song. It is a fun song, and it is certainly an earworm. But I didn't realize it had been. I mean, I knew you remembered it, but I didn't realize it had been stuck there. Oh no! That's every now, anytime somebody says "science project," it triggers in my head. Really? Look it up. It's it. The song is "My Science Project." It's by the Tubes. You can you can see the video on YouTube. Oh, the Tubes! They did something else. That'll come to me later. But yeah, no, the Tubes—they sound familiar. But um, you know, the movie ends with they lived happily ever after. Pretty much. This is just a fun, enjoyable, innocuous movie. And honestly, I can't even, you know, I can recommend plenty of movies, but there really isn't much quite like this. No, no. Even even when comparing no. it to weird science and real genius and the Goonies. It's and an entirely different vibe from all of that. Yeah. It really is. It's an entirely different vibe. It's, it's, um, it's almost a bit more buddy yeah, I don't know. You're right. It's a, it's a it's a I hard mean, one to. In in kind of similar fashion, you've got Super Eight, but even then, that's those yeah. Movies, those movies turn dark, even when they're having the action yeah. sequences at the end of the movie. It never turns dark. It's always light and fun. Right. Like Vinny gets killed in this, most likely. Um, you know, Dennis Hopper probably gets killed in this. Yeah. Right, you know, they don't come back at the end and everybody's happy right. ever after. Right, right. Vinny, like, bleeds out after the dinosaur or whatever, exactly. And Sherman has to sacrifice himself. Or, yeah, you know, right. It would be, it would right, exactly. It would pretty much come down to Harlan. And um, and if now, it would pretty much just come down to Ellie. And she'd be, like, psychologically scarred. And, like, it would just end with her with, like, a blank stare or something. <laughs> a blank stare. Super and then... And then, then they would show the gizmo going off like, oh, it's all going to happen again. <laughs> yeah, like everything would then turn like purple and then credits. Which they kind of do in this movie because when yeah. the, the car breaks down, you see a little bit of the electricity going right. around. But, you know, it's, this is just fun. It's about having a good time. It is. It's, yeah. like a, it's a Saturday morning cartoon of a movie. It's probably been over 30 years since I've watched it, but Same. I really enjoyed it seeing it again. Same. Uh, I'm with you. Like I'm. Um, this thing just got really hammered, really, really hammered. Um, and I, I think again, a lot of that had to do with it being inferior to the other movies it came out to, and it, it is. Uh, but it's also very different. It stands on its own, um, and it's it's and worth seeing. It's more of a Saturday morning kids movie, and I mean yeah. older. Like I said, a Saturday morning kids. cartoon of a movie. You know, this this is like a 12, 13, 14 year olds. You know, um, which you know is my mentality. So still to this day, day, right? Exactly. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. I think we saw this at the right time, um, and that's that's pretty much yeah, exactly. That's exactly as far as we've matured since. So it's perfect. It, for us. It, it, it's a heck of a lot of fun. Yep, I agree. Um, I, I have to give the Whip Bissell Award to Richard Mauser. 
Oh. He's barely in this movie, but he does a fantastic and memorable job. Okay. I thought you were going to give it to the... Um, I thought you were going to give it to Corbin. I'd like to, but Corbin seems much more movie. Not his fault, but Mauser has more to at least do with moving the movie forward. Interesting. Interesting. And Barry Corbin, again, I don't, I think Barry Corbin was just playing this is how I would play a dad, whereas Richard Mauser, I'm a tough Texan, cigar-chomping, law-and-order individual, and I'm going to put these screws to find out what exactly is going on. Got it. Okay. Um, I'm going to give it to Raphael Sabarge. I thought he was fantastic in this. I thought that he created play. He played great. He played a great, like semi kind of, you know, eighties nerdy foil, like the evil nerd kind of. And then, uh, you know, him, him kind of losing it outside of the door when, when things went South after he had, you know, plugged in, like he, he I don't know, he, he had the right mixture of just like pure nerd, like super villain ego that like, if, uh, you wonder, like, if he had been able to stick around, like, after he had plugged it back in, right? It, you would wonder that if he had been able to stick with it as long as um, Rob Roberts and his Hopper's character had done, he might have found some way to turn it into, like, a weapon and be a supervillain, you know? Like, you, you, I have a feeling he was, like, seconds away from being a supervillain with time powers <laughs> if things had you gone know, just slightly differently. What's interesting is he does play a more middle-of-the-road nerd as opposed to the the... Right. Like, this isn't the type of nerd Eddie Deason would play. No, he's not a hyper nerd, right? I mean, he's, he's got the not... pocket protector, he's got the glasses, yes. and yeah. But he's more the smart nerd than the geeky... I mean, he does have that geeky sci-fi spy-on thing that he's wearing at one right. point. But other than that, he's never. he doesn't go do like the <laughs> type of, you know... He's got a bit of a laugh, but yeah. He's, he's not the Poindexter pencil neck geek type of nerd. Not quite, no. And and uh, again, like I don't know if it was just within him. Like I, I don't know if the whole time space thing just like unlocked something within him, like a heavy mushroom trip or something, or um, if or, or exactly what it did. But it, like it pretty much just changes him, uh, and he just like I said, he becomes he becomes one kind of fun character into another one. And you know what, too? If you're a fan of Dennis Hopper, and there's plenty out there, he's oh, sure. a great actor. And it's funny because I think he's the, good next, yeah, he's real the next thing he did was Hoosiers, oh, which wow. got him nominated for an Academy Award. Yep. Yeah, he was great it, in that. If it wasn't Hoosiers, it was Blue Velvet, which is an entirely different type of character. Right. Yeah. Yeah. One of the most scary, terrifying villains ever played in cinema history. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. So, he's a beast. Yeah, Dennis is great. This is a great movie to check out. Um, uh, again, we could recommend like uh, Real Genius and Weird Science and all the other stuff, but but they're not the same. Like they're not the same vibe. No. Uh, if you want just generic teen sci-fi comedy, sure. But you, you know, know, it's they're not the same vibe. You know and and those three rec- movies aren't the same vibe to it. Like you know, Back to the Future is nothing like Real Genius, which is nothing like Weird Science. So. Here's what I'm going to recommend. Find the classic, original, lost, Land of the Lost TV series. Sure. That's what I'm going to recommend. Okay. Marshall, Will, and Holly on their routine expedition. Because the Land of the Lost is another type of warp zone where the past and future is all there together. Yeah. That's what I'm, if you can, if you, I don't know if it airs on any TV right now, like looking it up. It looks like, um. And if you have the Me TV channels, it might be out there. That's that's the one that took place after that that kind of big earthquake, right? The greatest earthquake ever known. Oh, at least up until that time. Right, right. It was high up on the mountains where it struck their tiny raft. Right, right. That's right. Land of the Lost. Yeah. That's my recommendation. That's write that down. It's yeah, like that's a. I mean, we could. We maybe we should do that because that's a that's a great, int- or, uh, extremely interesting show. Um, I, I know I said paused and great, but that's not really because that's not really fair. It's just it's like it's 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 Star Trek for kids, but in, in a way because it's super deep. 
you it's know? A, it's a, it's a and much written by show. like a litany of fantastic sci-fi writers. Oh, yeah, you got like DC Fontana and Ben Bova. I mean, I have the complete series on DVD. I, I break yeah. it out every now and then. It's just a fantastic show. Yeah, like you, if you if you only know Land of the Lost um, by, you know, the reference in, uh, I think it was Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. Or and the, um, the dumb remake movie starring Will Ferrell. Right, or the nothing. remake... Right, which has nothing to nothing, do, yeah, or is nothing at all like the show, or or if you only know it from like clips and you see the kind of cheesy, dated like effects and stuff like that, you probably just think, all right, it's them and they're in, you know, there's dinosaurs. But like, no, it's like weirdly super sci-fi with this whole deep, like cultural history and and like stones. It's yeah, it's it's really deep. Um, I don't know how they expect. Maybe it was the seventies and they just figured kids would get it. But I'm, I'm just like, I don't know, man. <laughs> Well, but the thing is, I remember watching it as a kid, and while I didn't understand all the concept, there was enough fun of them, you it's know. fascinating, yeah. Escaping from dinosaurs and slee stacks and exploring the un- unknown that it kept me into place. Well, because you didn't necessarily understand it, but you weren't bored by it either. No. Yeah. Like, it kept you interested. Like, you didn't get it, but you were interested. No, it was just a fun show that didn't dumb for kids. No. No, no, far from it. Um, Magnificent Seven, I guess? uh, Yeah, all right. So let me connect this to my favorite film, The Magnificent Seven. Can I do mine Um, first? Because I, A, know you're not going to do the same one, and B, I'm going to repeat movies you did, which you don't. But you're you're doing the hard version. I do the casual version. I'm I'm on casual mode. You're on hard mode. Um, Mine is from Fisher Stevens to Short Circuit. Uh, with Steve Gutenberg, who is in Cocoon with Wolford Brimley, who is in Ted to Midnight with Charles Bronson, who is in Magnificent Seven. All right. I'm going to go with John Stockwell, who was in another uh, sci-fi movie, uh, like a not quite post-apocalyptic futuristic movie called City Limits. Mm-hmm. Uh, City it, out, It's got Ray Dong Chong, James Earl Jones, but most importantly, Kim Cattrall. Right. Kim Cattrall was in Big Trouble in Little China with Kurt Russell. Mm-hmm. Kurt Russell was in The Travels of Jamie McPhee with Charles Bronson. Yes. Who was in The Magnificent Seven. And um, quick story on that, if you get a chance to Google um, uh, Kurt Russell's story about being on the set. Uh, it must have been... Um, it must have been Jamie, Jamie McPhee, right? They were talking about. Yes. They're talking about yes. skateboarding. <laughs> Kurt Russell got to well, skateboard with Charles Bronson. So well, cool. you basically well, the story, but it was uh, the story is better than what I just said. I mean, it's more to it than right. that, but it's just a super cool story. Kurt Russell was on on uh, Jimmy Kimmel, and he's talking about Jimmy how Kimmel. There you when go. He, he was on when they were filming. He met Charles Bronson. And he found out it was Charles Bronson's birthday, so he got him a present, and Charles Bronson was all awkward about it. And, you know, he found out, you know, later that, you know, Charles Bronson's like, you know, nobody ever got me a birthday present before. And he got Kurt Russell, because Kurt Russell was a kid at the time. Yes. Yeah. About 16, and Kurt Russell got him a skateboard, and... Uh, well, no, Bronson, Charles Bronson got him a skateboard. Got Kurt Russell yeah. a skateboard, yeah. Yes, Charles Bronson got Kurt Russell a skateboard, and got himself a skateboard and they skateboarded around the set for a while. It was, it's a a cool story. Like I would pay money to see archival footage of that. (laughs) Yes. All right. So anything else? Um, no, man, that's, that's it. Like, I guess we, you and I are definitely in the minority of willing to give this movie any sort of positive review because this thing just got hammered. Well, I guess for I, unless you're on the, somewhere on the IMDb list, which was much kinder at like a six out of 10, which I think is fair for this movie. I think this is a movie that is getting better recognized. It is developing a cult following as more people are rediscovering it. I hope so. I hope that's true. And again, let's thank studios and, 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 uh, Kino Lorber. Kino right. Lorber is helping keeping these movies. That's where we got our DVD from. Yep. They're movies alive by putting them out on discs and Blu-rays and it, it's helping new new audience. It keeps them alive and it helps a new audience find it. Find it. So, you know, Kino Lorber, Mill Creek, Shout Factory, they're doing great work with, with film preservation and, you know, not only making really nice collector's sets, but also, particularly in Kino Lorber and Mill Creek, 
making these movies affordable. I mean, you can really get these for inexpensive off of Amazon. You yeah, know. like ten bucks or less, right? And that's including yeah. DVD, uh, Blu-rays, rather. Yeah, it's 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 really worth it. Yeah. So thanks to them, and thank you for listening again. You have so many other podcast choices to listen to, especially when it just yammering along about a movie. But I want to thank all our listeners, and I hope they can keep coming back. Absolutely, thank you, everybody who's listening. Uh, look for us on Facebook under TV slash Movie Rewind Asylum. Look for us on Instagram under also TV slash Movie Rewind. And uh, thanks for listening. Oh, one one last thing. Uh, actually, I should have said is, um, although now is a good time as any to mention it, is that um, next week, next uh, well, next week when we would normally record is a holiday here in the U.S. So we'll probably be publishing a day later. Or maybe later on Monday. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. All right. <laughs> okay. That's all. Thank you, everyone.